long time ago, Heather uh, taught me the quote that says, the person who sings prays twice. I suppose if you sing like Rich or Heather, that's true. I'm not sure that my prayers would be heard if I were singing them. But certainly the, the sound of the music gives balm to our souls, gives at least for a second peace to hearts that even again this week have been ripped apart by violence, whether that's death to the family or death that comes across the world. As I heard about the children slaughtered in Pakistan, I thought of a mentor of mine in seminary who for 40 years, 40 years had tried to start churches in Pakistan and Afghanistan, learned the language, loved the people, got into the culture, and his 40 years, he was actually the third generation of missionaries, resulted in these tiny, tiny little churches, 10, 15, never more than 20 or 25 people gathered to talk about King Jesus. And then when the Ayatollah came over in Iran, he was forced out of Afghanistan. But I kept thinking of the power of those little communities and how they will make a difference for generations in ways we cannot know because they serve the Prince of Peace. This Christmas, it's good for us to be reminded about these new little communities that spring up. We supported one at the beginning of the autumn. Uh, Genesis, uh, up in St. Louis Park, has started. This is their first Christmas. They have never done Christmas before in their little auditorium. It would be great for them to have newcomers share the joy with them. We, we would pray for them. The same way we'd pray for the upper room five years into it, they are at a place where they're going to have to move because their place is being sold. Let's pray for their Christmas as we do for ours. Lord Jesus, I do thank you that, that you come to be the Prince of Peace in the western side of Minneapolis, in the streets of our cities, all the way around the world. And we ask especially that you will bless our sisters and brothers at the upper room, these pioneers at Genesis, that they will open their doors wide so that the love they start to feel, the peace they start to experience might be shared with people around them. Bless them. Help us bless them in your name. Amen. We wanted the kids to stay uh, for part of today because they have things to teach us who have been doing this for a long time. For instance, the kids would know that the tradition in liturgical churches is that when we come to the stories about Jesus, the reading of the stories about Jesus, that's called the gospel, and when we read the gospel, we stand. So why don't we stand for the gospel? We'll hear this story in full Wednesday evening. Luke says that there were shepherds living out in the fields near Bethlehem, watching their flocks at night. An angel appeared, and they were terrified, but the angel said, don't be afraid. 
I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born for you, the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be your sign. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloth, lying in a manger. And then all the angels sang. And when the angels left, the shepherds said, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off. And when they'd seen the baby, they spread the word, and all who heard it were amazed. The shepherds returned to their fields, glorifying God for all they had heard and seen. Now, in these liturgical churches, when the person finishes their reading, they say the word of the Lord. And people respond by saying, people respond by saying, thanks be to God. And then they sit down. Again, I think the kids can show us different parts of Christmas because they are hardwired in. So I would love it if you are between kindergarten and fourth or fifth grade, when you see the image up on the screen, you tell me what it is. Okay, first image of Christmas. Who's that? Santa Claus. Santa is to remind us that we give gifts to people that we love. Here's another image. What are those? Presents. No explanation required. Let's keep going. What's the next image? The tree was a sign to all the people that there was light in the darkness and they could gather around it. What's the next image? The Grinch. The Grinch. Who, let me give you another example. Here's, here's another one. Who's that? Scrooge and the Grinch. They are there to show that there are people around us who do not understand the joy and love of Christmas and need to be taught. They need their hearts to be warmed. Let's see if there's another one. Okay, what's... Angels, this is called a manger scene, right? This is to show where the baby Jesus was born with angels and shepherds and wise men and cows and all kinds of stuff. Is, is there one more? Okay, we'll get to that one in just a second. Christmas is a spectacle. I say that as opposed to saying Christmas is spectacular. Christmas is spectacular when it just resonates in the heart, but a spectacle is a show. And too often we turn Christmas into a spectacle, and it's all about how spectacular we can make it look, how big we can make Christmas seem. But God seems to start Christmas with the unspectacular, with the things that nobody else noticed, with the unexpected. Jesus does not come to the front lawn of the White House, but tucked away in a tiny little city in a far-off part of the world. This year, as I listened to the story, I was struck by that last image the image of the shepherds. The shepherds are nobodies. They are the foot soldiers. They are the ones that, you, frankly, you never hear from the shepherds again. The wise men, the shepherds, they hear, they disappear. You never hear about the shepherds' great army for Jesus. But they, they were the first ones in the story. 
I think God sends the angels to the shepherds first to let us know that the baby Jesus was for everybody. For blue collar people and poor people and people who feel far from God and ordinary folks and not people who can just afford the best Christmas presents. I think that Jesus sends the angels to the shepherds first because the shepherds were the only ones that were awake. Everybody else was exhausted. It's in the middle of the night and they are the only ones awake keeping watch and so they're the ones who get surprised because everybody else is asleep. Sometimes, Sometimes it's the folks who cannot sleep at night. Either through grief or anxiety or the fear of the future, the ones who toss and turn they're the ones who need that story the most and they're the ones who hear something different in the wind it says in the story that the shepherds start out in fear they were terrified and it says at the end they return to their fields giving glory to God and rejoicing really nothing had changed they didn't get new flocks They didn't get new customers. They didn't get honor. They didn't get the gold. Nothing was different for them, but everything was different. And when I think about the shepherds, they teach me that I'm supposed to celebrate before the end of the story. It's easy to celebrate at the end of the game when the outcome is determined, but the shepherds teach me that I am supposed to celebrate at the beginning of the story. I'm supposed to look forward and not just look around. Because if you were telling this as a story, you'd say, oh, no, no, this isn't the end. We're just getting to the good part. Christmas is not the good part. We're just getting to the good part. Christmas, if you're telling the story of World War II, Christmas is not victory. Christmas is D-Day. It's where the invasion begins. It's where we get hope that the tide of the battle has turned, but there's still lots of tough days ahead. And the shepherds, it says, return to their fields giving glory to God because what they had seen convinced them that everything they would see from then on was different because something had happened. The difference is what the shepherds focus on because Once you've seen glimpses of God in a manger, everything looks different. Once you've heard the whispers of what the music of heaven must sound like, whether it's here or out in the fields, once you've heard that, you hum it for the rest of your life. There's a great poem by Frederick Langbridge, and it said, two men look out through the same bars. One sees the mud, one sees the stars. The shepherds came home and they were in the same place looking out through the bars, but now the shepherds came home seeing the stars. Maybe they were singing psalms. That's what, that's what the psalms are. They're songs, right? Maybe they were singing Psalm 59. Psalm 59 is an odd song because it's written in a time of trouble and war and despair. They are looking out through the bars, and one sees the mud, and one sees the stars. The psalmist says, but I will sing of your power and mercy all morning long, 
For you alone have been my defense, and you are my refuge in the day of my trouble. And they sang that song all day. Josh Dubois is a young man who is the descendant of slaves. And these slaves became followers of Jesus, and they sang that hymn, Psalm 59. They would sing that song, I will sing of your mercy all through the day in the time of my trouble. His slave ancestors called that song what David and what the shepherds sang. They called that praising in the middle of the storm. I like that. Praising in the middle of the storm. God delights when we trust him enough to sing praises even before it's all okay. The shepherds came and sang before it was all okay. And then it says, the shepherds returned to their fields rejoicing and giving glory to God. They teach me not only to celebrate out in the fields, in the office, in the home, in the school, at the store. They celebrate out in the fields, praising God in the middle of the storm. But it should shape the way that the shepherds work and live the next day, and the day after that, and the day after that. They should rejoice in the fields. C.S. Lewis said once, I believe in Christ the way that I believe the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. So after the shepherds have seen the baby in the manger in the glory of God singing, they see their work tending these stupid sheep different. They see their fellow shepherds differently. They see their children differently. Because not only do I see the sun, but because by it, I see everything else differently. So how about you? Are you a shepherd today? I, I am. I'm, uh, I'm not one of the all-stars in the story. I'm, I'm just a shepherd. Do you lead a pretty ordinary life? Do you sometimes lie awake when everybody else is asleep? Do you do your best thinking about God in here and you wish you did it out there in the fields? Is your life filled with minutes of anxiety and fear? Well, then you need to hear the story of the shepherds. That Christmas is finding God when you're out in the fields, or more accurately, really, having God find you when you're out in the fields. And you never see anything quite the same after you've seen what you've seen and heard the song of the angels. It goes on, you see, forever. And people who have lived with it in the background hear it full on when they die and they sing it in heaven from Christmas on. Lord Jesus, I thank you that the little parts of the story, the parts that we overlook in your coming can give hope and life and light. That when we are shepherds, just ordinary people filled with fear, that you can come and bring us again to the manger and show us that when the sun comes, 
all will be different forever. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we give thanks. Amen.